this lesson today that we're going to talk about is the story of the lost son. The story of the lost son. Now, I know many of you know this story. I know many of you have heard me teach on it before. However, I don't want you to pay so much attention to the story, like a Bible story. But I want you to understand where Jesus was coming from and what is it he's trying to tell us. Because this story is one of the the greatest of Jesus' teaching, the greatest of Jesus' teaching, if we could only understand it and not just take it on the surface. So tonight, I'm going to go slow. I want you to get it, and I want you to look out for these things. Because in this, in this teaching, the, 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 the story of the lost son is in Luke 15. Luke 15 verses 11 to 32. Tonight, however, that is too much for us to cover in one slot. Tonight, I'm covering Luke 15 verse 11 to 17. And I'm looking for two readers. Luke 15 verse 11 to 14 and Luke 15, 15 to 17. So I'm just going to cover those two readers. Even though we're just covering... From 11 to 17, it is packed with wisdom. It is packed with wisdom and knowledge if we open our minds and grasp it. One of the first things we're going to see, God does not argue. And we're going to talk a little bit about the far country, what it means. Because Jesus used the far country, but we know Jesus always talks in parables. Why are we in want? Why are we in want? We're going to talk about the fallen man. Because we see the son. He was, he was broken. He was a fallen man. No one gives to us but ourselves. Before we uh, get started, I want to say this. When you know who you are, you would stop looking outside of yourself for validation. When you come to yourself, when you know truly who you are, you will stop looking outside of yourself for validation. That means whatever somebody may have said in the past or whatever, it matters not. We cannot control what's in people's mind. We can only control what it is, is in our mind. We have to take charge of your own mentality. Don't blame anybody for the the things that you do. Take responsibility. I messed up. I won't do that again. Don't blame nobody for it. You did it. Nobody held a gun to your head and make you do it. Take responsibilities for your action and move on. Trust in the Holy Spirit. He holds nothing against you. Nothing. The Holy Spirit holds nothing against you. And if you could come to him in joy and in peace and in harmony, you will hear his voice. He will guide you. He will guide you. 
And let me tell you, it's a very nice place to be. But if you're worried about people not liking you or looking for validation and da da da, if you if you were concerned, you, your mind so busy you can't hear him. You can't hear him. So tonight we're talking about the two sons in presenting the parable of the prodigal son to his listeners Jesus began by saying that the father the father the father in this story which is the universal spirit the father in the story represents the universal spirit I want you to know that Jesus speaking parables so the father had two sons meaning that as the son of God, man has the right of choice. It's not really about two boys. It's about you having the choice. You have the choice to do this or the choice to do that. So when you do the that and the that can work out, don't blame anybody. You have free choice. Own it and watch the Holy Spirit fix it for you. Say to yourself, that was a mistake. I ain't doing that again. Own it and move on. So, in presenting the parable of the prodigal son to his sisters, Jesus began by saying that the father, remember, the father is universal spirit, had two sons. Meaning that as the son of God, man has the right of self-choice. Understand me, somebody. This carries with it the possibility of an apparent, apparent duality and the possibility of experiencing good and evil. Because if you have a choice, you could choose good or you could choose evil. And whatever you choose, you will reap the consequences of it. Now, Moses referred to the same thing when he said that he had set a blessing and a curse before the children of Israel. And they must choose whom they would serve. The two sons referred to in the story denotes the two states of consciousness. Good or evil. The two sons referred to in the story denote the two states of consciousness necessary to real individuality man is a conscious self-knowing mind equipped with the freedom to choose he is an individual and can do as he chooses you hear me somebody you could make all kind of excuse you want. But the fact of the matter is, you made the choice. You made the choice. So, I just wanted to say that. So, as we listen to the story, remember that the two sons represent two states of consciousness. And that the father is the universal spirit, the universal mind. Alright, just remember that as we talk. Okay. So, good night, everybody. The first reader, Luke 15, verse 11 to 14. And he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, 
Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. The word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Next reader. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many times, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. Here in the reading of God's word. Amen. Praise be to God. All right. So I ask you to open your minds and get the meaning of what Jesus is saying here. We are blessed to know our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are blessed and privileged to access his works. We are so blessed. Now, let us, let us get the understanding. Let us get the wisdom from what he's trying to tell us. As I said, we are looking for four things. God does not argue. The definition of the far country. Maybe we'll answer the question why we are in want. We're going to talk about the fallen man and no one gives to us but ourselves. It starts off with a certain man had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, give me the portion of goods that followed to me and he divided unto them his living. Now, when the younger son asks for his portion of good, God did not argue with him, not try to dissuade him, did not suggest that he was using bad judgment. Many of you took your hard-earned money. You asked God to release this money. Let the bank give it to me. Or you went and get a loan or whatever, and you do stupidness with it. So don't think this is just be Jesus talking about a Bible story. Jesus talking about things that we as humans do. Every one of us has played the fool sometimes. Every one of us. But we have to own it. Like this boy owned his, his, what he did. So when the young man, the younger son, asked for his portion of good, God didn't argue. Remember what I said, the definition of the father was. God didn't argue. He, and he didn't suggest that he was using bad judgment. God never argued. To argue is to suppose an opposite. And God has no opposite. We argue to arrive at a correct conclusion. God is already the correct conclusion of all things. Therefore, he does not need to argue. 
Natia never argue that it contemplates itself, that it contemplates its contemplation creates a form through which it may become expressed. Undoubtedly, this is the whole meaning and process of creation. You contemplate, you create a form, that form is expressed. You contemplate, you create a form, that form is expressed. That's, 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 that's the process of creation. And he divided unto them his living. There was no argument. God did not tell the son that he would be far better for him to remain at home. He did not say that he might come to be in want. He didn't tell him any of that. And he, that he might suffer and perhaps starve. He did not tell him anything. Just as when you tell Father God you want to release this money, you beg him over, you make all kind of stupid promises. Father God, I will do this. I will like if you could barter with God. Yeah, yeah, I will do this and I will do that. If you just give me this, I will give to this one. I, like that has nothing to do with God. That is you trying to manipulate the Holy Spirit, which you cannot. But you make all these weak promises that has nothing to do with God and, and, and so God didn't tell him anything so God gave you the money and you go and you do whatever you want with it right you go and you get a house with a mortgage so crazy when if you shouldn't buy at that time it wasn't the right time to purchase or whatever God didn't tell you not to do it you make up your mind, that's where you want to go, and you want to think that it's God guiding your hands. That is, you wanted to do what you want. God ain't arguing. He doesn't argue. So, he divided unto them his living. The universe gave us what we ask. The universe gave us what we ask. Experience alone will teach us what is best to have. But the universe gives us what we ask. And experience will teach us what is best to have. So he divided unto them his living. No clearer statement of individuality here could be possible or could be inferred than this. The son received exactly what he asked for. No more and certainly no less. The cup of his acceptance was full from the universal horn of plenty. He could do with it as he chose. The same way many of you ask Father God to release this. Oh, if I could just get a line of credit, I could do this and I will do this and I will do that. Father God, give me the line of credit and you go do all kind of nonsense. Own it. Take responsibility. All right. So... He have his cup of plenty. He asks his father. The father give it to him. And he have his plenty. Just as you ask Father God to help you with this and help you with that. And Father God give you. And you, you, you make your choices. Right. So now he gone to the far country. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into the far country. And they wasted his substance on riotous living. 
Now, when the son has received his share of goods, he went into a far country. A far country is not a place, you know. It's not a place, it's a state of mind. And all of you, when you get the money from the bank, when you get the loan, when you get this and when you got, you went into a far country. All of you went into a far country because we are all in this far country. For it, it, it symbolized the descent of the soul or the outer rim of spiritual existence. It does not mean a place, but rather a state of consciousness. If God is omnipresent, we cannot escape the divine presence. Hear me? If God is omnipresent, we cannot escape the divine presence. So this far country means a state of consciousness which has separated itself from the eternal good. Remember, you have free choice. You have a choice. You have a choice to do this or a choice to do that. So you're free. Your individuality here. You're individual. Nobody controlling you. You controlling yourself. Based on whatever information you gather, but you are the one that is making the decisions. So, we cannot escape the divine present. So this far country means a state of consciousness which has separated itself from the eternal good. The true meaning, I believe, of the far country would be a conscious separation from God, an isolated state, one in which there appears to be no remembrance of God as an actual living or ever-present reality. One where man sees himself to be separated and entirely apart from the eternal good. Where what where man feels that their intelligence is super and they don't need to rely on the Holy Spirit. One where they feel their learned knowledge alone could get them where they want to go. One where they feel that they could manipulate and connive and and and, and they're so smart and they could supersede things and they can outsmart people and take advantage of people. When you behave like that, you are in the far country. Because you're separated from the eternal good. The far country has a real meaning today as it had in the hills of Galilee. Nearly how much ever? Two, three thousand years ago. How much ever years ago? For all of us have come from heaven. All of us came from heaven. Every single one of us came from heaven. And nearly all of us feel the isolation of this seeing apartness from the eternal good. We all feel isolated at one time for no reason. Indeed, the whole endeavor of mankind is to return to the Father's house. Jesus know this. Jesus know where you come from. Jesus know what you're feeling. He know that you're feeling isolated. He know that you're removed. He know that circumstances will make you get down at certain times. He know you're going to make stupid choices. He know this is why he's teaching like this. To let you know you are not alone. 
So, why are we in wonder? And there wasted his substance with righteous living. And when he spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. And he began to be in want. Let me tell you this. If you separate yourself from God, you'll be in want. No matter what it looks like to other people, you will always be in want if you separate yourself. All good things come from God. There's only one source. We don't know what is in people's mind. And remember, people lie through their teeth. You don't know what is in their mind. You stay connected because in connection, there's divine protection. When you separate yourself from the divine fire, it becomes an isolated spark. We are strong only when united with life. As soon as our consciousness is detached from our spiritual wholeness, we can no longer draw from that inexhaustible reservoir of eternal existence. So we become exhausted. There is nothing to fall back on. I am telling you, God is an energy source. God is power. God is might. God is love. Love vitalize you. Life is one perfect wholeness. The universe is a unit. God is one. It is possible for man to feel separated from the spirit without feeling lost and in want. As long as you separate from the Spirit, you're going to feel lost and in want because it is impossible for man to feel separated from the Spirit without feeling lost and in want. Anytime you're feeling lost and in want, know that you are separating yourself from the Holy Spirit. Remember, there is greatness. You're connected to greatness. You're connected to something divine. You're connected to something powerful. You're connected to something so sweet. You can... This is why Jesus said he could do nothing of himself but could work only as the currents of divinity ran through his personal mentality. This is what Jesus said. That subtle something which runs through all things, which we call the thing itself, that energy without which nothing can be energized, that life without which nothing can live, that power without which nothing can move, and that spirit without which nothing can be, is God. It is only as we live in conscious union with the Spirit and consciously let it work through us that we really live 
many of us were just existing. We going from we just working hard and we are really living. But as soon as we start to connect, we start to live, we start to laugh, we start to experience joy, we find harmony. So the prodigal son began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into the fields to feed the swine. Now, the symbolism here is most interesting. For it perfectly depicts the state of humanity while in the far country. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this, this state the state that of humanity, the state that you will be in when you're in this far country. The citizen referred to means the attempt on the part of mind to find some cause outside of spirit. You cannot find any cause outside of the spirit. And you could only connect with the spirit inside of your head, in your mind. Anything outside are effects. I don't know how this is so hard for you to comprehend. Everything works from inside of you. Whatever is outside are effects. Unanimated objects, the real calculation, the real work, the real consideration, everything must be done inside of you. Any changes, any alterations, any modifications, anything that you do in any plan, any conscious move must be done inside of you. And that means if you are thinking crap, is what you saw in and that is what you will experience how hard it is to get it that what's outside of you are effects that you are in control that you have dominion you have a choice you have a choice Life is one perfect wholeness. The universe is a unit. God is one. It is impossible for man to feel separated from the spirit without feeling lost and in want. This is why Jesus said he could do nothing of himself but could work only as the currents of divinity ran through his personal mentality. That subtle somethings which run through all things and which recall the thing itself, the energy without which nothing can be energized, that life without which nothing can live, that power without which nothing can move, that spirit without which nothing can be is God. It is only as we live in conscious union with the Spirit and consciously let it work through us that we really live. 
the money that we spend we are the ones that give it value money is just paper an inanimate object it of itself have no value if you put it here if you put ten dollars here or a hundred dollars here you come back tomorrow you see the same hundred dollars it doesn't grow it's it's just there you have to do something with it you have to multiply it in your head and then take action you get me somebody Stop giving value, so much value to the things outside of you and pay more attention to what's going on inside your head. Pay more attention to your thoughts. Pay more attention to the stupidness that's coming out of your mouth. Pay more attention to that and less of what's happening outside. Pay more attention to, to what's going on in your head. Pay attention to that. Because that is where the cause lies. That is where the start of the foundations of things, not outside of you, the foundation of the cause lies in your head. So the prodigal son began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of the far country. And he sent him into his field to feed the swine. Now, this symbolism, as I said here, is most interesting for it perfectly depicts the state of humanity while in the far country. The citizen referred to means the attempt on the part of man to find some cause outside of spirit. So spirit is in, in, in your mind, in your consciousness. So you're looking outside to find some cause, right? Man seeks to, to, to attach himself with material force alone. Not realizing that there can be nothing outside the unit. That <coughs> life is a unit and there could be nothing outside the unit. Most of us seek the cause in the effect. We're looking for the cause and the effect. We're looking for the cause and the thing outside of us. We're not going to find it. So, and unknowingly, we put in the cart before the horse, not realizing that the flower is already in the seed and that effects must follow causes effects must follow causes but the causes start with inside of you and the effects will be part of your experience there can be no true alliance apart from life and no good apart from a unity with the whole and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. Jesus was a Jew. The Jew did not consider the meat of the swine lawful to eat. Consequently, he used this term to show how completely the prodigal son has fallen 
from his high estate. He, he, they don't eat swine. He even be compelled to feed the despicable swine. This demonstrate Jesus have a joy. Jesus know what he's talking about. He know why he used this symbolism. This demonstrate that his state of being was so low that it would be impossible for it to be any worse. He has hit rock bottom. He had reached the outer realm of reality. No one gives to us but ourselves. And he free will be filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. He wanted it. He wanted the pig food, but nobody will give it to him. How true this is. No one can give unto us but ourselves. And no one can rob us but ourselves. There are no gods to say nay. For we are the life we live. In our greatest extremity, in the moment of great need and dire distress, who can help to save us? Who? All our troubles come from an isolated sense of being. We alone can return to the Father's house. We alone. How many times when you're younger and you have little babies and you're going home and you say, Boy, I have, I'm going home to fix supper and I have nothing in my fridge. I don't know what I'm cooking for these kids today. But you didn't shrink and go to the far country and start with a poor me, poor me, poor me, poor me. You say, let me go and look and see what I could find. And bingo, you find all kind of stuff you never knew you had. Come on. And you fix the best meal ever. You can't find these things if you're in an isolated state. You have to lean on God and let Him guide you. The question might be asked, where was God? And why did He not come to the rescue of His beloved Son? Did He not care? Was He heedless about His Son's welfare? Why did God not allow why did God allow such a thing to happen? Because that's what when you guys make your comments, you ask God for something, you make him all kind of false promises, trying to negotiate, like if you could negotiate with God. And then he gives you what you want because you ask for it, you get it. And then you make all your comments, you make all your mischief and you mess things up, you mess it up. And then you want to say, where was God in all of this? Why did he not guide me? Where was God? Why did God allow such a thing to happen? You are freedom of choice, you know. You, your own individual. But why did God allow this to happen? And you're so bold, you're ready to cry a whole bunch of crocodile tears with it. 
You forget the fun you were having when you were squandering it. And how you were seeking outside praise. And all the praise you were getting, you forgot that. But now you want to put God in the mix. Where was God? The only answer I could give to this question there's only one answer to the question of this nature. God is always God. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And man can always do as he pleases. God is always God. And man can always do as he pleases. He would not be an individual unless this were possible. The father is never conscious of incompletion. The father's house is always open. There is no lock on the door. It is open. The door is ajar. But man must enter in. I stand at the door and knock. God can never be less than God. Could God enter into a field of strife? Could God enter into that thick pen? Could God enter into your confusion? Not at all. He can't even see it. He would not be God. God cannot enter the thick pen. He cannot. We cannot contact the infinite. But we could expand the finite. And no man gave unto him. It is always us we give to ourselves. You always have a choice to recognize the nonsense that you did and decide in your mind you're not going to do that again. In your mind you're going to make better choices. In your mind you're going to move forward. In your mind. And as you start to, to, to make these, have these conversations in your mind, you will start to see a different experience. There is no body pulling your strings. God is always knocking. He stands and he waits. The door is open and you could turn wrong anytime. You could turn anytime. You have free choice. And you could choose anytime. The door is always open. It's up to you. But if you are looking to try to manipulate effects in some get-rich-quick scheme, in some manipulation, in, in taking advantage of, of people of, of lesser intelligence, you have a problem You're in the far country. Turn around. Go back to your father's house. When you connect with your father's house, he will guide you aright. You'll be working for the same money, the same income coming in, or the same pension coming in. And you will be doing marvelous things, marvelous things. No, with the same money. God bless you. I hope we get something from this. Next week, we will continue the rest. 
But please, don't let me hear any one of you on this line taking this story literally. I want you to understand what your Lord and Savior Jesus is trying to tell you here. I want you to get it. Because if you don't get it, you will keep on making nonsense, nonsense decisions and ending up in the far country. You have freedom of choice. God bless you all.